Good morning. Welcome to our online service and welcome to the first online service of 2022. So I wish you Happy New Year. And as we consider 2022, we conclude a lot has happened in over 2,000 years. But actually, a lot has happened in two years, has it not? And we look back and reflect on some of those events in life within the last two years, even in the last year, that I'm certain have been challenging uh, for you, for your for your health, for your family. But, but as we look back to where we've come and look forward to a new year, God speaks to us about our present. God is concerned with where you are at this very moment, concerning your faith and your response to him and how you live and how I live. And so I welcome you to a new teaching series in 2022, The Personal. Now, within our culture and within relationships, we always are careful not to offend others. In fact, sometimes when we are sharing facts or talking to someone about a certain event in their life, we might preface our words with, don't take this personally, however, and then we share truth. But for today and for the next several weeks, I pray that you'll hear God saying, do take it personally. Now, obviously, God would never speak anything into our lives except that which is of his nature, of his word, and of his will for us. And so we should be able to take personally all that God has said straight to our hearts. So I welcome you to this new teaching series. And the first step within this teaching series allows us to hear God and and hear his word Offering a personal look. Consider a personal look into your life by God himself. God's word addresses our lives very personally. I've discovered something within our culture and within the indigenous culture of other nations. I've discovered that most languages have a phrase or a colloquial expression to indicate How are you? Now, the translation of that might differ from culture to culture, but nonetheless, most of us in humankind have the ability to politely and gently address another person with what would seem to be a sincere question of their own present state. How are you? Within our culture, however, this, this greeting, this, uh, this expression perhaps has been used more habitually than sincerely. So this morning, I begin 2022 with you, and I pose this question, how are you? And that does not express uh, a polite greeting, but rather a serious question. How are things in your life spiritually concerning faith? Can we lean into the Word of God for just a moment and hear His Word ask us this very important question as God takes a personal look into our lives. Now, most of us would find this truth a bit unsettling, but you can trust God. You can trust his love for you. And you can trust his word, his way, and his will. Because he has revealed himself completely in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, all throughout the Advent season, all throughout our Christmas celebration, 
we've discovered afresh and anew Jesus Christ and his, his salvation for us and how God has stepped into our lives through Jesus. And so that in itself expresses God's desire to relate to us in a very personal way. And so as we step more deeply into how God desires to, to relate to us personally, may we take a moment to hear God's word addressing our own lives, particularly our spiritual condition. And God certainly addresses this personally. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, we hear the words of the psalmist, most believe David, expressing to God a very unique vulnerability and a very unique prayer, asking God to become very personal in God's examination of his heart. Now, I know at times we say things we don't mean and we afterwards apologize. I did not mean to say that. But God's word goes much deeper than any word or action we express. God's word, as we probably have already experienced in our lives, cuts to our heart. And so here are the words of the psalmist in Psalm 139, beginning with verse 3. Search me, O God. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. For just a moment, as God uses the words of David to open our own hearts to his truth, let's notice how God takes a personal look and examines our lives. Again, you can trust his, his word, his way, and his will for your life. So let's truly open our hearts. Let's become like David and, and say, God, today, as we begin this new year, I desire to avoid all pretense. I desire not to hide things or to, to, to push things to the corner of my life. But God, I desire to say, examine me. What, what an incredible prayer. So from these two verses, I'd like to share with you the four most difficult but necessary statements we'll ever make to God. The four most difficult but necessary statements we will ever make to God. What are those four statements? From David's own words, from Psalm 139, search me, test me, see in me, and lead me. Now, the whole of Psalm 139 must be viewed first contextually and then personally. So let's adopt both of these perspectives for just a moment before we ask those four questions or make those four statements. Search me, test me, see me, and lead me. So let's look at the entirety of Psalm 139 for just a moment, first contextually and then personally. Now, contextually, the theme over... The entire message of Psalm 139 could easily express Yahweh knows. As Psalm 139 opens, we see evidence of this. Lord, you know me. You know when I sit down and rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path. You see me when I'm lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all of my ways. And, and the, the psalmist gives descriptive words of his own life 
exposed before God, even when he was being formed in his mother's womb. The psalmist would say, God, you you brought me together. You see and know me completely. So contextually, the theme over Psalm 139 clearly expresses Yahweh knows, God knows. But that would not be the full theme. Because when you truly understand how the psalmist heart was being moved with emotion before God, the true theme actually expresses Yahweh knows me. Now we experience the personal inflection of the, of the movement of this incredible psalm. We do not simply focus on the fact that God knows, but we focus upon the fact that God knows me. Now, the first half of Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18, expresses praise and thanksgiving for God's discernment. Again, if we were to read those verses, we would hear over and over how the psalmist recognized God's divine discernment over his life. The psalmist said in verse 1 of Psalm 139, You have searched me and you know me. There exists here a reflection of God's character, God's nature. It becomes God's nature to, to know us. In fact, this becomes proven by Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the New Testament, we read in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, the words of our Lord saying, but the very hairs of all of your head are all numbered. Well, this certainly was from a context indicating God's knowledge and provision over our lives. But our Lord emphasized God's personal knowledge of, of us. In fact, I love the statement that Jesus made in John chapter 10, verse 27, when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The sheep recognizes the shepherd's voice, but then Jesus said, and I know them. The reason they hear my voice is because I have made myself known to them. So in the New Testament, the very words of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, emphasized the personal knowledge God has of us and his children. And so, and, and the knowledge God has of all things he has created. So and this becomes a phenomenal message in the first half of Psalm 139. Again, verses 1 through 18 reveals uh, praise and thanksgiving for God's discernment, his personal knowledge over our lives. But beginning with verse 19, the second half of Psalm 139 seems to indicate a bit of a different message. What we find, I believe, from, from verses 19 through 24 expresses a prayer in the midst of distress or under duress. Because when verse 19 opens of Psalm 139, you hear the psalmist crying out, Oh God, that you would slay the wicked. Oh God, that, that they would not speak falsely. And so you see David with this, with this heart against the enemies of God. David asked the question in verse 21, do I not hate those who, who hate you? And so we, we see that the latter half of Psalm 39, it emphasizes that David was struggling. He was struggling with circumstances and individuals who were truly bringing a, 
uh, enmity and attack against uh, against his faith, against his posture as one who was seeking God with all of his heart. And so we see these two specific divisions of Psalm 139. The first half, praise to God, you know me. And the discernment becomes very real in David's own life. And then the second half, David prays for for God to truly step in and search his own heart because of all of the attacks coming against him by his enemies. And I love this prayer of David in verse 23 and 24, where David opens up his life to the, to the divine scrutiny of God. So God, search me. It's as if David is saying, God, I hate those that you hate. And David spoke with a spirit of, of imprecation. God, I, I, I pray that those that are evil against you would be wiped away. But, but then David pauses and pushes back a bit to say, God, I, I ask you to search my heart. Look, look in me. Father, I feel my words are noble, David might have said. Father God, I feel that my prayers on your behalf are noble, but in the event that my own heart has grown wicked, even while I am pursuing you, God, search my heart. And I do not believe David was saying this with with overconfidence and certainly not with pride. Now in Psalm 26 verse 2, if I might compare another passage real quickly, David had prayed a very similar prayer, God examined me. But in that particular passage, there was confidence that David had in his own standing before God. God, I walk in your love. I'm, I'm following your way. So God, search me and improve my obedience. So that became the context of Psalm 26. But here in Psalm 139, David doesn't resonate confidence nor uh, some uh, uh, element of pride. David is seeking to align his life with the will of God. David is seeking to say, God, my, my heart is to honor you. So although the, the imprecatory nature of my words against your enemies can stand justified in my own heart, God, I need you to search my heart to make sure that I'm not creating an evil thought or that I am not overlooking something bitter or wrong in my own life. So again, an, an amazing prayer we find in Psalm 139 and verse 23 and 24. So now that we have looked at the at the uh, text, at the chapter contextually. Let's look at the chapter personally. David understood the evil that was coming against him. And his desire was to be in a right standing with God and with others more than simply to vent his own anxiousness or angst. And so from the contextual, we move to the personal. And with the personal, we now make some very, very important applications. And we consider these four statements uh, labeled earlier as necessary and possibly the most difficult to make to God. And I'd like to move through these with you uh, each at a time. We've looked at the contextual to understand the nature of the fuller message of Psalm 139. And now with verses 23 and 24 guiding us, we move to the personal so that we might make these statements in a way that truly honor God and bring a greater responsiveness to God from our own hearts. So let's begin here. The first of the four statements that are very difficult to say at times to our Lord is this, God, search me. Uh, the word search here is a, a very interesting word from the Greek, 
kalkar, which expresses the imperative. Now, for the linguist, linguist, you would understand that the imperative references a command. The, the meaning of this word helps us to understand that David is definitely not attempting to command God. David is actually practicing a deep essence of, of openness, surrender, and believe it or not, even worship. As he says in this phrase, God, search me. The imperative indicates David's true desire to say, God, I am opening myself to you. So the word search me can actually express for our application openness, surrender, and yes, even worship. Concerning openness, David said, God, search me. This word search from an old, old Bible scholar reminds us of digging down deep. In fact, one writer has used the example in days of old when a railroad was cut through a vast wilderness. As a railroad line was being cut, the, the ones building the line would dig down deep until they would hit bedrock. And then they would know, hey, we've, we've gone as far as we can go here. Well, this may actually be the indication of God search me. Do you hear the openness of the psalmist's heart? God, would you plumb down as deep as you possibly can? The idea here could also express one who mines for a precious mineral. So the imperative here when David said, God, search me, expresses David's desire first of openness. God, I open all of my thoughts and all of my heart to you. I know at times we may speak of surrendering our lives to God or saying, God, I desire to obey you. But the reason Jesus said, take up your cross, the reason Jesus said, deny yourself, emphasizes such a, a pattern of responsiveness to God. God, take all of my life. Jesus, I give you all of me so that I am following you as you deserve. This becomes the expressive openness that David communicated prayerfully back to the Father. So first half of Psalm 139, David saw the nature of God. God, you, you know me. And in response, then God searched me. Because you see, David did not say this for God's sake. God was already searching him. In verse 1 of Psalm 139, David spoke in the past tense, God, you have searched me. So here David cried out, God, search me, not for God's sake, but for the sake of his own life. God, I am willingly opening my life to you. Wow. When was the last time we said, God, deal with all of my attitudes. I'll not justify a one of them. God, deal with all of my actions. I'll not hide a one of them from you. God, take all of my relationships. God, take all of my plans and dreams. I give them to you. This becomes the, the meaning of the words of the psalmist, God, search me. Because first, what is expressed here is openness. Second, what becomes expressed is surrender. Now, as we earlier compared this to Psalm 26, verse 2, when David was confident in his stance with God. Here, there exists no uh, vain confession nor any attempt of humility. 
What David expresses here is surrender. So we move from openness to surrender. It becomes one expression of faith to say, God, I, I give myself to you. But another to truly say, God, I'm surrendering. I'm not just saying, Lord, I open myself to you. But God, I, I desire to obey you in a way that, that shows I am surrendering every part of my life to you. Surrender here indicates a, a willful giving of oneself and willful obedience. So yes, surrender here can express one's true intention and will to say, God, search me. I, I truly surrender to you. Oh, that becomes a, a magnanimous resolve for our lives. God, I surrender. So when David says, search me, David expressed openness of his own life to the Lord, which certainly speaks well of, of, of following Jesus, for Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But then the emphasis turns more vividly to surrender when we truly take that step of faith and lay down those attitudes and actions that aren't pleasing to the Lord and, and truly say, I am surrendering my life to you. So open the surrender. And then third, worship. All express this phrase, search me. Now, wherein do we find the idea of worship in this phrase? Hear the psalmist again from verse 23. Search me, O God. The structure of the inflection to Yahweh indicates the words as an offering of sacrifice. David did not say, search me, simply for the purpose of some uh, some meaningful religious testimony. No, David cries out in worship and as an expression of his worship because he had already thanked God for God's knowledge of him and God's personal involvement. David then becomes moved to say, oh God, search me. This becomes a beautiful meaning of worship. Have you ever considered that your openness to God's ways and your surrender to his ways certainly expresses worship, your desire to serve him with all of your heart. So when David says, search me, David was expressing openness, surrender, and worship. Are we ready today to say to God, God, search me, plow down deep, as if my life were that railroad line being cut through a vast wilderness. God, plow down until you hit bedrock. And then God, uh, Lead me to surrender all of that to you so that this becomes an act of worship. Wow. Are we ready to say, God, search me? Well, there's a second statement that we find at times difficult to say to God, yet very necessary this statement becomes for our lives. So the second statement expresses, test me. Do you hear the psalmist? He said, search me, O God, know my heart, meaning know my thoughts, my will, my emotion. And then the psalmist prayed, God, try me. Now, obviously, the expression of try can indicate test me, God. This indicates uh, uh, a testing by fire for the purpose of refinement. This can express uh, what we find uh, analogously all throughout scriptures, that uh Precious material can be tested so that the dross is burned off and only pure substance remains. This becomes the message of God try me. 
Test me. I believe if we follow this idea of testing all through scripture, we will see significant ways in which testing to our faith can come. I believe David had these three ideas of God's testing in mind when he made this statement, God test me. First, tested by God's word. Second, tested by God's way, his nature. And then third, tested by God's will. First, are we willing to say, God test me? And then are we willing to be tested, tried by the word of God? Are we allowing God's truth to become personal to us? I will tell you again and again, and you've heard me say this before, rare are the occasions. In fact, I can't remember the last time I have read God's word in the depth of which the word of God needs to be read and have not walked away without conviction. Every time I read God's word, there there becomes conviction. There becomes the, the winnowing hand and the shaping hand of God uh, placing his truth somewhere in my life for necessary obedience and application. And so when David said, test me, David had in mind, I believe, in part, that God's law, God's word, becomes a way that God can test us to try our faith. Oh, yes, I can say my heart willingly follows Jesus, but I'm allowing the truth of Jesus, who is the living word, am I allowing his truth to become a test in my life to prove whether or not I'm truly following his heart. We can become tested by God's word. Second, we can become tested by God's way, his very nature. One reason I believe David cried out, God, test me, was again because David was very concerned that although his heart felt imprecation against the enemies that had come against God and against him, David was even more concerned that his own heart would not fall to bitterness and sinfulness. David knew that God would respond to the enemies with perfect holiness and justice. And so David, I believe, prayed God test me because David was concerned that his response would not become opposite of God's way and God's nature. And so a second way that our lives can become tested is by the very nature and character of God. There are times I've given counsel to people when they have said, this was my response and I felt I was justified. Pastor, do you agree with me? And my response always is, as long as your response mirrored the character of God. And sometimes that quiets us and allows us to to revisit something that we've said or felt or done that we thought at one time we were justified. But when we ask the question, hey, does this word, does this deed, does this thought reflect the character of God, then wow, we can certainly fall to some severe testing and conviction. And so may we allow God's word to be a test of who we are in our faith, but may we also allow God's way, his character, his nature to be a test. A third way that I believe can can become a, 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 a testing of our faith, and I believe David had this in mind as well, expresses God's will. God's word, God's way, and God's will. And certainly, David knew of God's sovereignty and covenant with Israel. And David knew that God always had a divine plan against the enemies. And so, I believe another reason David said, God, try me, was to make certain that his own heart was not trying to create a plan of action that would oppose God's will. You know, at times we're tempted to do this. We're tempted to take an emotion or a feeling that we might justify, like a, a feeling of imprecation uh, to 
to retaliate or to say something back to someone and or to do something that we think might be honored by God. May we be like David and Paul's to say, is this truly what I believe to be God's will or do I need to wait on his will to be fulfilled in our lives? So look at these three uh, expressions of our lives being tested. God's word, God's way, meaning his nature and God's will. Oh, may we be as David and say, God test me. Now there's a third statement David made straight from the scripture. We move to verse 24 and we hear David cry out, God, see me, search me, test me. And then God, see me Uh, from verse 24 and see if there be any hurtful way in me. The idea of God seeing reflects detail. David actually expresses, God, look at every part of my life to see what might be there that does not honor you. Uh, The Septuagint and the Vulgate, two translations of the Old Testament, actually translates the phrase, see if there be uh, any uh, wicked way in me as see if there be any iniquity. One very old scholar actually translated, see if there be any uh, any uh, idol worship in me, any idolatry. These are phenomenal translations to indicate the, the core of what I believe the scripture proclaims here. David cried out, God, see if there be any part of my life that acts idolatrous as if you have been replaced with another affection or allegiance. In fact, it would be as if David would say, God, help me not to go against your word. God, see any iniquity, any uh, disobedience to your word. This could also express David saying, and God, help me not to allow any affection to take the throne of my heart. God, help me not to go against your way, your nature, for only you deserve the lordship of of my life. And David could also have been saying, God, keep me from rebelling against you. Keep me from my own will so that I may follow your will. So again, we see evidence of God's word, way, and will becoming the plumb line for what David was asking God to see in his own life. God, see if I have left your word, your law, by committing sin and disobedience. God, would you see if I have dethroned you by putting another affection on my heart and have denied your nature, your way, who you truly are as my God. And then, God, help me to see if I am rebellious, if I am following my will and inclinations instead of yours. So here, the plumb line becomes even deeper as David cried out, God, see in me if there would be any wickedness, anything that goes against your word, your your way and, and your will. So God, see, scrutinize, look with detail. And God, whatever you uh, say that is not uh, right with you, God, I I desire to release that. What an amazing prayer 
God see me for who I am at this moment. Now, that's a heavy part of the prayer, not one easily accomplished by most of us. So David cried out, God search me, God test me, God see me. Now we come to the fourth statement, which I believe serves foundationally the first three. In the fourth statement, David prayed, God lead me. Verse 24, and God lead me in the everlasting way. Now, obviously, the idea of lead here means very simply to direct, to to give the course of, of movement. David prayed, God, uh, lead me, direct me in the everlasting way. The old Hebrew word holam becomes a word from where we translate everlasting. But there is with this word no prefix. So transliterally, uh, uh, the, the uh, literal translation would express and lead me everlastingly. It's, is that not amazing? Lead me in the only way that God, you can lead me in your firm and, and fixed way. God lead me in that movement. Now, obviously the idea of everlasting speaks of everlasting life, the abundant life that we know that we have only through Jesus Christ. And here the expression goes to the core of our relationship with God. As the psalmist cried out, God, lead me in your way. Lead me everlastingly because God, you're everlasting and I desire to follow your way. In fact, this idea from the old word holam can be found in Jeremiah 6, verse 16, where the translation actually expresses ancient. So the psalmist cries out, even as the prophet did, God, lead me in your ways, the ways of old that have been established throughout time. God, I desire to follow your everlasting truth, your everlasting way, for therein can, can we only find abundant, everlasting life. So this becomes an amazing proclamation. God, lead me in, in your way. If we were to turn back to the very first Psalm, Psalm chapter one, we would read in verse six, this statement, you know, Psalm chapter one is a clear, a clear message on, on the right and the wrong. And Psalm chapter one, verse six proclaims, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here, in Psalm 139, the expression everlasting way opposes the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked leads to an abandonment of God's way and thus one perishes. But the opposite of that is to trust God in his everlasting way, which is made fully known to us through Jesus Christ. And so the psalmist prayed, God, lead me in your direction. Now it becomes, it becomes one statement to say, God, see me. But to say, God, see me for who I am, and then let me follow your way. Well, that is, that is definitely an expression of personal abandonment. And it certainly is one thing to say, God, test me. God, test me to see what is there and, and what should not be or should be there. But a totally different prayer to say, God, test me, see me, and lead me. Now, it becomes one thing to say, God, search me. That sounds like obedience and surrender, but the surrender really doesn't come until we can say, God, search me, test what is there, see who I truly am, and then God, lead me back to you. Lead me in your way. Oh, this becomes an amazing commitment to a personal look that God desires to bring into our lives. God desires to examine us, to allow us to understand what he sees and then to respond to him for who he is 
and for how he desires to bring change, true change, into our lives. God loves you. He loves you so much. David knew this, which is why David said in the spirit of worship, God, search me and, and know me. God, try me and see what is there and lead me. Oh, I pray that you begin 2022 with the prayer of God, lead me. But the prayer of leading cannot be as effective unless we say, God, would you search me, test me, see me, and lead me. Perhaps you feel that such a prayer would be too overwhelming. And perhaps you're thinking about a safe way to live your faith, safe religion. Well, I'm not going to ask God to examine me that deep. I'm going to try to do my best and just keep moving forward. Can I assure you, you'll never know the true leading of God in your life unless you say, God, search me, test me, see if there be any wickedness in me. And then God, lead me to the reality of your truth so that I can confess what is wrong and trust Jesus for forgiveness and then to approach you in that forgiveness and cleansing so that I might follow you all the days of my life. That becomes the prayer. And that becomes the result of saying, God, I will take your word personally. So God, will you search me? And will you, will you get to the heart of who I am so that I might allow you to bring true change to my life? Oh, I pray that that becomes your prayer, not just for a new year, but always. And so uh, we're in this journey for the next several weeks so that we can take personally what God says so that we're truly opening our hearts. And we're not just asking God to polish our religion, we're asking God to search our hearts so that we might truly honor Him with our lives. Only through Jesus can we know God. And He has truly made Himself known to us. And He knows you. And He's given you the opportunity to make this prayer of David so that our hearts are truly surrendered to Him. Thank you for joining us for the first online service of this new year. And I pray that you'll stay with us during this teaching series, The Personal, as we rediscover how to take personally the truths of God's Word. Next week, we're going to go a little deeper into God's Word over in the New Testament where we would discover the, the personal experience with Jesus Christ. And we'll look at real lives, four to be exact, and how they experience Jesus Christ personally. If you'd like to read ahead, we'll be in Acts chapter 16 as we discover a personal experience with Jesus Christ. Love you a lot. Let me pray over you before we go. Father, thank you for this time we've had in your word. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to open our hearts to you and May we take personally what you're saying through your word to us. Thank you for this gathering. Help us to grow in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Hey, I say this every week. I'll say it again. There's a website location. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We truly desire to walk you to that truth of Jesus so that you might know him personally. And then we truly desire to walk with you in your faith so that together we find strength daily to live for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here with us today. We'll see you soon. God bless.